the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire area of Southern California, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great free and prosperous. Uh, this is our, this is Christmas weekend. Uh, this will be broadcast on the, on Saturday. And, uh, if, if the Rams don't get in our way again, we'll be broadcast again on, on Sunday. So we wish everyone out there, of course, a Merry Christmas and have a safe Christmas. And, um, you know, it's, e- it's easy to get wrapped up in all these political things, which are very important. But so is the reason for Christmas and building and strengthening your relationships with your family when you hopefully get together over Christmas. We welcome back to the show one of our favorite guests, Pastor Tim Thompson, and he is with the 412 Church in Temecula Valley. And you can learn more there at uh, 412temecula.com. He also does his own podcast under ourwatch.com. Yeah, you also find him on this station on Sunday mornings at 930 on in his radio show, again, the same name, Our Watch, the author of the book, Awake, America's Great, America's Final Great Awakening. He's one of the pastors, uh, and we need some more of these guys, that if we're going to save the country, who is not just what goes on in, in the church on Sunday, but encourages his parishioners to take their biblical values into their roles as citizens. So uh, welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, the um, of course, your, your thoughts on Christmas, we'll get to, we'll talk about that later. And the religion in America, I want there's an interesting article this week um, on that subject. But the um, primary motivating thing, the first motivating reason for asking you was that you had formed a political action committee, i.e. family PAC, to elect pro-parent, not necessarily Christian, but people that share our basic values and world and worldview um, to school boards and try to turn what's going on in the government-run schools, both academically and improve that, as well as the uh, indoctrination and sexualization and try to get rid of that. And you were very successful. You ran f- your PAC, i.e. family PAC, ran seven candidates in the Temecula and Murrieta area, and five of those candidates won. Right. Yeah, we were we were pretty pleased with those results. Of course, we would have liked uh, seven out of seven, but we'll take five out of seven. Uh, with that five out of seven, we were uh, blessed to be able to take over the 
the you know the school board there in Temecula Valley. And you know when I say take over, what I mean is have a majority on the school board that have Judeo Christian values, the values that this nation was founded upon. And they made big waves the first night in their first school board meeting, uh, banning the teaching of critical race theory, even though there was a lot of opposition. But we saw them make good on uh, campaign promises day one, and I look forward to what they're going to do in the days to come. We'll get more into that uh, first school board meeting, and it's good to see them uh, just get right, get right to work, and, and dive right into uh, dive right into it. Uh, but it didn't start with just the election. I mean, this, there was a pro- there was a process. You recruited candidates, vetted candidates, trained candidates, right, and then uh, out there helping them. You, know, you don't have as much money as the uh, school board backed candidates. We tried to make up for it with um, effort and knocking on doors. Right. Yeah. You know, we uh, we like, you know, I, I've been at this a long time, far long before uh, uh, most parents were awake to what's going on. So I've been doing this for years and, um, you know, we've seen the, the issues going on in our government ran schools and it's not been good. This has been uh, Marxism at its finest in our public school systems. And we've been trying to do, you know, do things shall I say diplomatically, um, you know, we got to go up to Sac- Sacramento because the local school board say, hey, it's it's those crazy people up north. It's not us. So, you know, we fly up there and they say, hey, you have a thing called local control. OK, so we fly back down and go back to the school board and they say, oh, no, we, we can't do anything. And I was like a ping pong ball going back and forth. And I finally realized, you know what? We do have a thing called local control. The problem is the people who are elected locally don't have the the backbone to actually exercise local control. So we set out to make sure we had the right people. And as you said, we went through a full vetting process where we did full background investigations on anybody who said they wanted to be one of our endorsed candidates. We had a a full written and an oral exam on each one of them. We went to their neighbor's houses, knocked on doors, asked their neighbors about them. We, We did everything we could to make sure that we had solid, educated, well meaning patriotic people to run for these school boards. And, and we did, we had some incredible candidates and and thankfully, like I said, five of them won. And this is just the beginning. I know I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but this is just the beginning. Yeah. So um, I know in our area, we were not as successful. I mean, in fact, it was, it's just even hard to get people to Mm -hmm. run. So in Redlands, there was there were two seats up and one went uncontested and the other was the other was contested but it was somebody who kind of got in there um they were going to run but they didn't announce until the very last and so we didn't have a choice it wasn't like okay let's pick and choose among our our the, for the look for the best candidate um we we had to go with what we had and same thing up uh, uh, in in Ukaipa and so I guess that, maybe that's us. Let me ask that question. How did you find people willing to step up and devote? I mean, you know, you, you, it's you're, it's grueling to run. You got to be out there knocking doors continually every day for weeks on end. You got to go to your fundraiser and your coffees, and then once you get elected, then you go into all these meetings and reading on this. And you got to listen to everybody and and make their comments and quite contentious. And we'll talk about that first meeting in a little bit here. So how do you how do you get people willing to step up 
Yeah, that was it was hard. As you said, it was hard in your area to find them. And, and we're, you know, we don't live too far from each other. It was very hard in our area. And this was a long several month process where what we did was we held a an informational meeting in a home. And we just asked people, hey, bring your friends, bring your family, bring your neighbors into your home. And I'm going to give a pre- presentation. And I just I just laid it all out. Um Former uh, former friend of mine who, who since passed on, Don Dix, uh, Don and I did a documentary film on what was happening in the government ran schools. So we we shared some of that documentary film. I talked about my experience of going back and forth Sacramento to back to the school boards like a ping pong ball. Um, I gave them hard evidence of of the uh, Riverside County Board of Education taking our tax dollars and using those tax dollars to fund classes for our teachers and administrators to teach them how to implement this sexual indoctrination without the parents knowledge or consent. We you know we just laid everything out and then at the end of it what we said was now what we need is somebody to run for school board. So if you're here tonight and you feel a call to run, you know, we're, we, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we've got a pack that we're going to, you know, help raise funds for you. We're going to, we're going to hire a uh, consultant that's going to train you how to run a campaign. We're going to train your campaign manager, train your campaign financer or treasurer. You know, we're going to train you and we're going to help bring people together to, uh, to help you knock on doors, all that stuff. So we, we did that and just basically at the end of the night, we gave people a few different options. A, decide you want to run B decide you're going to support somebody who's going to run or C open your home for another one of these meetings. And that's how we kind of did it. And, and basically home after home after home opened. And I spent a lot of nights doing the same presentation over and over again, but we got, we got a lot of people who ended up wanting to run doing it that way. And we had to vet, you know, a lot of people. And, and there were a couple of occasions where we had three or four people who wanted to run and, you know, it, we we ended up picking who we believe was the best one for that that role, and and you know the people who were wanting it ended up fully supporting the person we ended up picking. So it was really a healthy uh, experience for everybody, and and it it really paid off. And that's the flip side of it because in city council here in Redlands, we had we you know, we couldn't find people at the very last minute. Two people who we kind of aligned with decided to run. And of course, then that they split the vote against uh, and facilitated letting the uh, incumbent, Comrade Davis, win re-election. So that's important. Also, is just to narrow it down so you got right. one good candidate per district. Right. We actually one of our candidates that lost. Um, one of the two that lost. She lost because another conservative was running. We we pleaded with that conservative not to run, and he just wouldn't wouldn't back out and he ended up splitting that conservative vote and if he wasn't there we would have won that seat in the Marietta district as well and you know it's it, talking about how difficult it is to find people to run it, you know when you look at somebody running on the issues that you and I care about and I know your audience cares deeply about if you run in support of what is true and good and right what you have to be prepared for is that you your your spouse your children your entire family is going to be painted as racist, homophobes, transphobes, xenophobes, bigots. You know, this is what they're going to do because it's all they have is is name calling and bullying. And then what they're going to do is we see this um, in Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals. They are going to 
work on projectionism. Everything they're doing that is wicked, they're going to say that you're the one doing it. It's a very difficult thing to run for school board in a climate like this. And and I, I truly believe this, that it's these type of roles, the role of school board member, that's going to change the course of how things are going in our nation. I hope so. And um, you're off to a to a good start. Let's um, let's take a pause here, share from our sponsor. Then I want to talk, as we t- said earlier, the, uh, the three, the uh, majority on the Temecula school board, jumped right into it with the first meeting and started carrying out the came, campaign promises. And it was quite a meeting of 500 people in attendance past 10 p.m. at night. And we'll dive into that and talk about what happened at that meeting after this word from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. New company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite, i.e. coalition of conservative and patriot groups in the Inland Empire area of Southern California. Uh, we are pleased to be visiting this uh, for th- this Christmas weekend with Pastor Tim Thompson. And it's always good to have Tim on for any reason. He's always do. Uh, he's one of the pastors that we need that we need more of that encourages his parishioners to bring their biblical values into their roles as citizens. Uh, too many pastors will eschew that, and too many Christians um, aren't even registered to vote, or if they are registered, don't vote. They are focused on their being right with God, and that's the number one goal, but they neglect their roles as citizens in preserving the freedom that they have to enjoy and and practice, and practice their religion as they see fit. So we're talking about the schools and uh, the Inland Empire family pack started by Pastor Tim. Won five out of seven school board races in the Temecula and Murrieta area in the last election. And we some of the things that are going on in the government-run schools, the sexualization, the left-wing political indoctrination, critical race theory, which is kind of part of that, uh, and it's really a Marxist concept. We'll talk about that a little bit here. But at the same time, in the California government-run schools, only 47% are proficient in reading and writing. Only 33% are proficient in math, 
and only 29% are proficient in science, and those are dumbed-down standards. And that is despite... um, Ask you a question, Tim. And these are the numbers from 1969-70 year to the 2018-2019 year. Those are the last numbers I have inflation-adjusted figures for. How much did per-student spending in the California government-run schools increase, again, after adjusting for inflation? 1970 to 2019. You're asking me how much has increased? Yeah, just oh, you, you just want a ballpark. I don't know, a thousand percent. Well, yeah, that's a little high. Okay, two hundred and forty-two percent after adjusting for inflation per student expenditure. And what happened to the quality of the education in the government-run schools over that time? Rhetorical question, of course. Yeah, right. I mean, we just we've seen the decline, um, the the increase in spending and the decline in. What, what we're producing. You know, that was one of the things that really, for me, when we looked at uh, school board members needing to be replaced, my wife and I were sitting in a school board meeting about a year and a half ago. And one of the, one of the school board members said, you know, we really need to celebrate today because we were able to lower the standards for graduation and get more kids graduated this year. And they all started cheering and clapping. Yes. They were, they were patting themselves on the back for lowering standards and pushing these young people out into the real world when they're not equipped for it. It, it really was atrocious. Yep. And um, so with all that going on, your, not yours, but the uh, the new school board majority in Temecula, first meeting. We're not going to have an introductory meeting. We're not going to form a commission to talk about things. We're not going to have a, you know, we're going to ban Critical race theory. There was a resolution to do that, and certainly the uh, the enemies were out in force. And your side was there to back up your newly elected school board members. Tell us about tell us about the meeting. Well, yeah, I was. Uh, you said earlier there was you know five hundred people. There was at least five hundred because there was not a seat left in the room, and they ended up shutting the doors, wouldn't let anybody in because there literally was no more seats. And then there was a crowd outside. So, uh, and it it wasn't in the normal room. They had to move it to the performing arts theater. So that theater was a hundred percent packed. And what what happened was earlier that day. Many of the students were encouraged by teachers to go around the school campus putting up these posters that were basically um, calling the new school board members white supremacists in action and saying that they're going to try to erase history and gave the students extra credit for making signs in opposition to the new school board members and showing up to to cause issue for them. And then when parent, we had people there early wanting to get in, they the school, they shut it down and all, what they were doing was letting all these students in before the adults and making sure that teachers, the radical teachers and the students were in there before anybody else could get in and get a seat. So um, the, the environment was very contentious on their end. They were, they were extremely rude. The teachers, um, one of the teachers, even when I got up to public speak, one of the teachers got up and wanted to fight with me in front of the students. And it, you know, it was just awful, awful behavior on the part of these adults that are supposed to be leading the children. 
You're a man of God and, and would only uh, use force and to defend yourself. But I'd like to I'd like to have the pay, watch the pay-per-view on that fight. Yeah. 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 I, I don't condone violence, you know, unless it's somebody defending themselves, of course. But um, but, you know, for me, it was it was really sad to see the way these adults were were leading these children. And, and they kept saying they're not leading the children. In fact, it was it was quite telling because we kept telling these teachers, you got to stop putting this in the in these students minds you're causing a problem for the students and they kept saying how dare us um that, that we don't think highly enough of these students you know they can't they have a brain of their own and they think these things on their own well at the end after the resolution was passed against crt the teachers yelled to the kids now you have to strike and i i talked to one of the teachers i said i thought you said that that they come up with this on their own clearly you're planting these seeds of of discord in their mind Yes, and critical race theory is is a um, what they say is not taught. <laughs> right, that was their mantra. But at the same time, the right. five hundred people turn out to you can't ban critical race theory that's not being taught. Right, it, it was yeah, you know, like I said, it was a mantra. It was you know, it's not being taught, and how dare you stop us from teaching it? Yes, it, it, you know, it was it, their arguments held nothing. It didn't hold water. And it just showed that these students were they were pawns in a game that the the radical teachers are playing. And I, I think that using these kids and, and indoctrinating them the way these teachers are is is something that should not be allowed. And I think we took a right step in the right direction in making sure that teachers, these radical teachers are uh, going to be held accountable when they start teaching these divisive type of ideologies to our kids. Right. And critical if parents were to look through their textbooks, you know, they would not find a, a textbook that says critical race theory. Correct. But the underlying premise that that um, everything and everything is that race, the color of your skin is the number one factor that determines what happens to you in life. And that white people are and since the founding of the country are been inherently oppressive of everyone else. And America, since the founding, uh, back to the 1619 project related to that is that's the that's the whole basis of America. One of just centuries of oppression and cruelty. Nothing good. Right. Right. I'll, I'll give you an example. Exactly what you just said, Greg, uh, of it not being in the curriculum, but being taught. Because uh, that was one of the things they kept saying that this is not in our curriculum. Well, I get it. I'm not saying it's in your curriculum, but I do have video of a teacher who was teaching as a white teacher, and he was saying how his experience of being pulled over by a police officer, he argued with that police officer for over 20 minutes. He still got a ticket. But um, the only reason he's telling the children this, the only reason he didn't get it, you know, didn't get in a physical altercation is because he's white. He said, if I was black, if I was Hispanic, I would have just shut up. I would have signed the ticket and said, yo, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to get in any altercation. And he, go, and he told his kids, you know what that is? That's total privilege. So he's he's teaching these kids that if you're white, you have privilege. You can argue with police officers if you're a black or Hispanic kid or what he calls any other marginalized, which we know is Marxist language, marginalized kids. Then they they can't argue with the police because they're going to get in a physical altercation with the, the police. Now, I, I put that video out. I, I don't think any teacher should be teaching kids that if they're white, they can argue with police. I think that's disrespecting the police officers. Um, but you know what ended up happening is instead of reprimanding this teacher, the district sent me a, a letter 
threatening me with legal action against me for putting that video out. And we wouldn't want people to know what's going on in uh, their in the schools that their tax money are paying right. for. Now, of course, it may, no, a 20 minute argument with a police officer is not going to get you out of a ticket. No, it's going to make no. things worse. No, no, no matter no matter no matter what color you are. But this right. is but the, the, they are the, the CRT in the schools is only a little part of it. But they are trying to the Democrat Party and the left divide America along racial lines after making after we've made tremendous progress since the days of Democrat enforced racial segregation. And before that, Democrat enforced and protected slavery. Um, we're almost out of time here. But when Obama took office, the polls show majorities of whites and blacks thought race relations were getting better. When Obama left office, majorities of whites and blacks thought that race relations were getting worse, and that was intentional. I think without a doubt. All right, well, we are going to continue our discussion with Pastor Tim Thompson after the break, and we'll talk about religion in America and some Christmas stuff and whatever else we can find of interest before the clock runs out on us. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. New company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire area of Southern California. We are pleased to be visiting with Pastor Tim Thompson today of the 412 Church of Temecula Valley. And he's also on ourwatch.com with his podcast. And you can hear him on this station Sunday mornings at 9.30. Uh, show is the same name, Our Watch. And the author of the book Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. Um, you're talking about the success of the In an Empire Family Pack in electing pro-parent, 
school board members in the Temecula and uh, Marietta area, five out of seven victories. And as contrary to what went on in the rest of the state, where every state office was lost by, to the, by the, it was won by the Democrats with 55 and 60 percent of the vote. The Republicans lost seats in the legislature, did pick up one House seat. And disappointing was Proposition 1, which legalized abortion from conception to the moment of birth, one with 66.9%. But on the local level, we had some success. I understand that in Chino, they picked up two more good school board members for a majority of four. And there's some others in, I know Chris Rahagi won school board and some others in the area. So some success on the local level. And so, first of all, kudos to Tim Thompson for organizing IE Family PAC, recruiting the candidates, and helping them win. So, good job. Pat on the back. Uh, hip, hip, hooray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And, and you know, my, of course, for me, I, I look at it as, as man, what, what a great effort by so many. This was a grassroots effort. The the people who contributed financially, you know, we, we raised, I, I don't know the total figure, but it was a quarter of a million dollars. And which is a lot of money for for local school board, you know, that more than than I've ever seen here in California. Um, not that it hasn't happened, but it's more than I've ever seen for school board candidates. So um, a tremendous amount of money raised for the local offices and um, just the grassroots efforts to to knock on doors. Every single home got got their door knocked on. Every single um, resident heard about this. This is why we were so successful. Is everybody knew what was happening. So it took a lot of a lot of people to make this happen, and I'm I'm so thankful for all of them. And for if it was a quarter million dollars on your side, it was much more on the other side, backed by the teacher unions, uh, with CTA collects three hundred fifty million dollars a year. Right news to, to not all of it spent on politics. They got luxury offices, high salaries, and so on. Um, but a lot of it gets spent on politics. So for every dollar you spent, I'm sure it was much more spent by the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Like, like you and I have uh, spoken of before, Greg, the CTA had a three day conference about me and uh, flew in teachers from Riverside County and said, we've got to stop this, this pastor. He's radical. He's ruining our plans for this state. And uh, they went, they sent these teachers back going to the, to the different union meetings, um, the different teachers associations trying to um, allow for even more funds to go against us. So there was, they knew what we were doing and it scared them and they really uh, were trying everything they could to, to stop it from happening. Thankfully they weren't successful, but uh, now their, their smear campaign continues trying to label our, our newly elected school board members as racist, homophobe, transphobe, all those words they love to use. Yes. It's, it's, it's instead of an, instead of an argument, you just, you try, you say those things. And of course, Part of it is to poison the minds of people of the public, but also to intimidate the the, the school board members or the activists, whoever it is, right. from saying anything contrary to the union and uh, Democrat Party line. But what right. you did, and there's an important point, is that electing them is not is just the beginning. So you got to be there for them, right? Backing them up. As, right. they, as they as they try to as they try to make changes in the government run schools. 
Yeah, you absolutely have to. You're you're 100 percent right, Greg, because, you know, you you do a lot of work to get them elected. The the last thing you want to do is let them feel like they're alone. You know, and that was one of the reasons we attended that night, the the first school board meeting there in Temecula. And in fact, I did it in uh, Marietta and Lake Elsinore because we had candidates that won there as well. Um, I wanted them to see my face. I wanted them to to see me get up and congratulate them publicly and and you know, and just act cordial. And, and we did, uh, you know, we were very cordial and, and, you know, I think that was, that's so important that they know that they're not left alone because they are going to be painted in a bad light by these leftists. They're going to say all sorts of things that aren't true and it, it can be very lonely. And, you know, and that's one thing that every leader knows. It can be very lonely at the top because you get there and then everybody, you know, kind of leaves you leaves you alone to fend for yourself. And we can't do that. We've got to be there. We got to support them. We know that they're not racist, homophobic, bigot, transphobes, whatever word they're going to use. We know they're not those things. And so we have to encourage them, love them and and just continue to to pray that they will do these, you know, and make these hard decisions. There's no doubt these are hard decisions, um, but they'll make them in a way that's strong. It's um, it's going to be a light for the rest of the state and even this nation. That, um, you know, if you can do that in Southern California, you can do it anywhere. Yep. Um, now, by way of comparison, our school board candidate was able to raise about $10,000 in in her race and uh, ended up losing to the uh, union-backed candidate, who, by the way, was fun, as, as an aside, was caught stealing our candidate signs because their signs were being stolen. So they put tags on the signs. They could track them. Yeah. And they tracked him right to the home of the incumbent school board member. Well, hopefully they reported that to the FPPC. Yeah, they, they, they filed a police report. They arrested the school board member's associate or friend. But uh, thus far, the, the charges are no charges have been filed by the D.A. in that matter. And I guess it's going to it's going to go away, unfortunately, as a which is a bad example. Um one of the things that, and I'll make the suggestion here, I was going to write you an email, is that it would be good if good Judeo-Christian-based, pro-American, patriotic school board members in different districts could network and, and communicate with each other and share ideas and, expand, and ideas. And, and there's also, if you could get support them with here are things, you know, whether people that are knowledgeable in education law and education, here are things that you can legally do in California to move the ball in our direction. And that, 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 that infrastructure may not changes here. I think that kind of infrastructure needs to exist. Yeah, I, I agree. And I do know that uh, that there are several that are starting to do that. They're finding that way of networking. And it's so important because, um, you know, courage breeds courage. Courage is contagious. And, you know, what we need, I know, I know this, there are so many good school board candidates or uh, school board members across the state. There are a lot that are good. They're just, they, they need that that encouragement to be courageous. And if, you know, if the ones that are doing this in Temecula can reach out to them and, uh, and infect them with that courage, I think that'll be a good thing for our state. Yep. And if there's one good one on the board, you put another one on there and maybe they start doing something or two more right. on there, make them a majority and they may be willing to stand up. 
Right. Let's shift. I mean, we, we could talk about the government-run schools and the sexualization, all of these things for two or three shows. I want to change the, the subject because religion in America, maybe more than any other nation other than maybe Israel, is America was founded and based on belief in God and religion. And you've, from the very beginning of our country and the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Um, John Adams, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. George Washington, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. And I could go on for many minutes with similar quotes and ideas that a free country depends on the internal discipline that comes with faith and belief and belief in God rather than the external constraints of soldiers and police and the threat of force. And we're seeing that was and we've seen that we're seeing that fall away is and there's an article this week I sent you about the status of religion in America and the rise of people who they call the nuns N-O-N-E-S, that don't have any religious affiliation. Uh, but interestingly, they're not necessarily, they don't, they're not, that's not the same thing as atheist. They may believe in God, they just don't have any religious affiliation. Right. Uh, the, of course, the young people tend to, be mo- tend to be more, believe less in God, in part because of the indoctrination they're getting in the government-run schools. There's been a jet for since the seven, 1970s at least, there's been a decline in the belief in God and, and, in, and in church attendance. But maybe it's leveling out. Um, the, according to some of the data in this, in, this, in this article, is that even among millennials, the, the church going is actually increasing. Now, what kind of church they're going to is, another, is, a, is a whole other question, but... There are, I, mean, I think, I think people are inherently, I think whether the people are inherently designed to believe in God, and that may be the God of the Bible, or it's an, an, a false God, the God of climate change, or the God right. of Marxism. But they, but people have a need to believe in something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We look at uh, Romans chapter one says that God has placed it on the heart of all men to know that he exists. Everybody knows there's a God. Um, yeah, even even atheists, they, I, I 100% believe in my heart that that they know there's a God. And, you know, they just rejecting that idea because they don't they don't want it to be true. But um People know there's a God. We can see it in creation. You know, it's even even scientists today can tell you the DNA that makes up who we are as a digital code and digital codes have an author. Somebody authored us, you know, so, you know, there is no such thing as a random digital code. So it's um, it's it's pretty clear that, that there is a God. And another thing is we as human beings, we were created to worship. That's what God created us to do is to worship him. And and because we were created to worship, if we don't worship him, we're going to worship something. And it, whether it's, you know, we worship the state as as prescribed in Marxism or we worship um, the idols of of money or sex or whatever it is, people are going to worship something. 
And, you know, what I've seen over the last, and I read that article you, you gave me, and certainly there's been a decline over the last few years. We saw, you know, everything with the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, we saw a lot of churches closed down, sadly, and, you know, with a false understanding of Romans chapter 13, a false, uh, what we call an exegesis in Christendom, a, a right interpretation of what Romans 13 is telling us to do. And so many churches shut down and exactly what what I was afraid was going to happen has happened. A lot of people just stopped going to church. The once churches reopened, they're like, "Oh, well, I've been doing good at home. I don't want to go back. I've I've grown into a habit of not going to church on Sunday morning." And um that was why I stayed open. You know, that was why I I I just never bought into it from the beginning was I didn't want people to get out of the habit of going to church. And, you know, we, we saw a, a decline, but I can also say this over the last three years, I have baptized more people. I've been a pastor 20 years. I've baptized more people in the last three years than the entire time before that as a pastor, I've done way more many baptisms and people that never would have darkened the door of a church are coming to church because of what you said earlier, Greg, you, you quoted the declaration of independence and you know, that there there's this, understanding that we all have rights, that we're all free people. And what, where did these come from? They're endowed to us by our creator. And people started to, to see, wait a minute, I always loved America. I love being a patriot. I love, I love my freedom. But now my freedom's being taken away by a government. And the government wasn't the one that gave it to us. Right? Yeah. Okay. So who's this creator? And people are starting to question that. Wait a minute. Why is the government taking from us something that a creator gave? And people started asking questions about this creator. And I've seen so many people giving their life over to the Lord and and starting off in a new faith, a newfound faith for them, getting baptized and their lives are are completely changed. It really has been beautiful on that side of things. That's that, that's that, that is that, that's wonderful. That is wonderful news, because I believe that. The cause that making and keeping America great is inexorably intertwined with making and keeping America godly. Amen. Yeah, that that's perfectly said, Greg. And, you know, a lot of uh, people that are coming to my church, um, it, it was a, a weird mixture at first. But you know, one thing I've noticed is many of the people that, that have come to church are young. It's that millennial generation. They have kids. They don't want their kids to grow up in a bad America. They, they remember when they were younger that, you know, things were much better than they are today. There's no doubt things are, were much better then than they are now. Things are getting worse. We see it, especially, and I'm just going to be bold to say it, especially with this current administration, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse and they see it. And the, this younger generation does not want America to continue in the direction it's continuing. in. so I've seen a lot of younger people with families that are are the ones that are showing up at church and wanting things to go well. Excellent. Let's take a pause here and hear from our sponsor, All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision, 951-279-9161. 
Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And a Merry Christmas to everyone, um, whether you are a believer or not. Um, Pastor Tim, I want to thank you for your everything you do and well, for being on the show. Um, you'll, be, you'll be leaving us at this point, and we've got a few minutes. We're going to talk about a couple of pieces here, uh, but I want to again, thank you and a Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you, Greg. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well, and a Merry Christmas to all of your audience. On this Christmas show, I want to conclude by reading a piece called In Hoc Ono Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. This has been published in the Wall Street Journal every year since 1949 on Christmas Day, and it shows how the events and circumstances 2,000 years ago are still relevant because human nature does not change, although humans can change their nature through belief in Jesus Christ. When Saul of Tarsus set out on his journey to Damascus, the whole of the known world lay in bondage. There was one state, and it was Rome. There was one master for it, and he was Tiberius Caesar. Everywhere there was civil order for the arm of Roman law was long. Everywhere there was stability in government and society for the centurions saw that it was so. Unfortunately, our government can't manage that today. But everywhere, There was something else, too. There was oppression for those who were not friends of Tiberius Caesar or today friends of uh, the Democrat Party. There was a tax gatherer to take the grain from the fields and the flax from the spindle to feed the legions and to fill the hungry treasury from which divine Caesar gave largesse to the people. The money from the government comes from someone else. There was the impressor to find recruits for the circuses. There were executioners to quiet those whom the emperor prescribed. What was a man but for to serve Caesar? Again, the question of the state versus the individual. There was the persecution of men who dared think differently. Is that going on today? Or heard strange voices or read strange manuscripts? There was the enslavement of men whose tribes came not from Rome. And most of all, There was everywhere a contempt for human life. What was to the strong, one man more or less in a crowded world? Then, of a sudden, there was a light in the world, and a man from Galilee saying, Render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. And the voice from Galilee, which would defy Caesar, offered a new kingdom, in which each man could walk upright and bow bow to none but his God. And he sent this gospel of the kingdom of heaven into the uttermost ends of the earth. So the light came into the world, and the men who lived in darkness were afraid. And they tried to lower the curtain so that man would still believe salvation lay with the leaders. Is that going on today? But it came to pass for a while in diverse places that truth did set men free, although the men of darkness were offended and tried to put out the light. Along the road to Damascus, the light shone brightly, but afterward, Paul of Tarsus, too, was so afraid. He feared that other Caesars, other prophets might one day persuade men that man 
was nothing but a servant unto them, that men might yield up their birthright from God for pottage and walk more, no more in freedom. Then it might come to pass that darkness would settle again over the lands, and there would be a burning of books, and men would think only of what they should eat and what they should wear, and would give heed only to new Caesars and false prophets. Then it might come to pass that men would not look upward and see a winter star in the east, and once more there would be no light at all in the darkness. And so Paul, the apostle of the Son of Man, spoke to his brother in the Galatians the words he would have us remember afterward in each of the years of his Lord. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. On this Christmas, uh, on this Christmas weekend, we too should be so afraid because, as Ronald Reagan said, we are in that last, well, one generation for the extension of freedom. In closing, we're going to hear the story of Christmas of 1776, when America was down for the count and got up from the mat and won a great victory and preserved the revolution. Merry Christmas to all. Tune in next week for another exciting edition. General Washington and his troops had been defeated in September, driven from Brooklyn to Manhattan, from Manhattan to north of New York City, around the Palisades, across New Jersey. They declined from 30,000 troops in September to 2,500 effectives on Christmas Day. Of the 2,500, one-third did not have boots. They were wearing burlap bags wrapped around their feet. And as they marched, they left a trail of blood. General Washington knew that if he didn't win a victory soon, the entire army would have disappeared. And so he had to do something desperate. He proposed to cross an icy river at night in a snowstorm and then march nine miles in the dark to the city of Trenton, a village that had 800 German troops, professionals, Hessians. He was going to surprise them and capture them. It was a very dangerous plan. Because it was harder to get there than they thought, they were four hours late. And yet, as a sign of divine providence, there was an enormous snowstorm coming from the north, behind them, pushing them towards Trenton. A storm so enormous that the German troops said nobody could be out in this kind of weather. So they didn't post guards. They didn't muster at dawn as they normally would because it was impossible. And for Europeans, it probably was impossible. But these were Americans. They were used to the American winter. They were used to deer hunting in the winter. They were used to traveling in the winter. This was just a terrible snowstorm. It wasn't a reason to stop. Washington's troops surprised the Germans, captured 800 of them at the cost of one American and then ran for the river before the British Army could catch them, went across the river with their prisoners. Within two weeks, 15,000 volunteers showed up, and Washington began driving the British across New Jersey. The revolution had been saved. How big a gamble was it? That night, as they began to get in the boats, they were told that the password for that evening was victory or death, and they meant it. They were prepared to give everything for freedom. Surely, in the most successful country in history, we can do what is necessary. We can be in the spirit of 
General Washington and the Americans who fought for freedom. We can go out, get the vote out, make the argument, stand up for freedom. And I believe we can have as big an impact in helping America remain free in our generation as they did in theirs. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. New company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, And whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.